This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. for another week. I pray that you will be blessed. My name's Lynette and today, as usual, I'm joined by my husband, Dennis. Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have some free giveaways. Um, The book, Steps to Christ. And if you want to check out the local takeaways here in the Manawatu, you will find a book a little magazine called Signs of the Times. It's a free takeaway with articles on health and family and issues we face in life every day. And also, we would be happy to pray for you or a friend or family member on or off air. So you can contact us if you're interested in any of this. And we're also really keen to have feedback, your thoughts, um, any questions. You can contact us by email or text us. The email address is info at mpr.nz. Info at mpr.nz. And you can also text us on 022 6815 216. So let's open our broadcast today with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your amazing grace towards each of us. We pray that you will speak to us, speak to our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, Amen. Right, I have a short devotion. And it starts by um, quoting Proverbs 14.14 The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. Now backsliding, what does backsliding mean? I was just um, saying to my husband backsliding is a person who has been seriously Full on for for Jesus, but has then um, fallen back and lost interest. So, the trouble with backsliding—that's why it's such a miserable condition. Nobody enjoys it. The backslider is filled with his own ways. The symptoms of spiritual decline, says Doctor Payson, are like those which go with a decline of bodily health. First, loss of appetite for spiritual food, prayer, reading of the scriptures, concern for others. 
When we see these symptoms in ourselves, we should be alarmed. Our spiritual health is in danger. We should go at once to the great physician for a cure. Doesn't that make sense? When we see, when we feel sick, we go to the doctor. And when we um, sense that we are spiritually sick, we should go, go to God. On the other hand, there is much satisfaction in the service of God. Why do so many professed Christians look dissatisfied, gloomy, tense or sad? If we are to be satisfied in the Lord's presence hereafter, why not be happy in his service now? A wealthy lady, unfortunately deaf, made good use of her riches by providing for some excellent gospel services in a mission hall in London. And this was a few years ago now. On one occasion, a well-known minister asked her, What part do you take in this noble work? Oh, she answered, I smile them in and I smile them out again. It was not long before the minister saw the result of her sympathy, for great crowds gathered in the hall night after night and looked delighted to get a smile from her. You know, friends, the bread of life and the water of life cannot be recommended to others by people who look as if the food and drink disagreed with them. That's quite straight and quite funny. We are to be satisfied with the goodness of God's house. Psalm 65 verse 4. Jesus was satisfied with the travail of his soul. Isaiah 53:11. And when he dwells in our hearts by faith, we should be satisfied and happy too. Meditation prayer. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Psalms 90, 14. Now we're going to have a song.
There is no under name under heaven, Jesus. So you're listening to Amazing Grace on MPR, Manawatu People's Radio, and my name's Lynette, and Dennis is joining us today. Now I'd like to share a a um, health tip, and we have been sharing from the book Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton, and he has had a large part to play in the program called the Complete Health Improvement Program, um, which is run in New Zealand and Australia and further afield. So we're up to the second chapter. The first chapter was about the limbo, which is the emotional part of the brain, which has a big influence on our, um, our, our feelings and our, our actions. And the um, acronym SMILERS and the first S in, in this word stands for Speak Positively because our limbo is listening. So we're up to uh, Chapter 3, Motion Creates Emotion. Move dynamically. Now you might be thinking, I wonder if this is going to be about exercise. So let's, let's see. Try this simple activity. Hold your pointer finger out in front of you as far as you can reach. With your eyes closed, guide that finger back to, the, to touch your nose. So did you skillfully navigate your finger to the tip of your nose? I am assuring, assuming you did, because it actually isn't that difficult. But how is it possible, given that you can't see your finger to guide it? I once asked this question to an audience, and one person said that their brain knew where their nose was because they were constantly putting food into it. Sorry, I need to read that again because it wasn't the nose, it was the mouth. One person said their brain knew where their mouth was because they were constantly putting food in it. So they just aimed a little higher. This is partly true. Our brain does know where our body parts are, even when it can't see them, because throughout our body are millions of tiny nerve endings called proprioceptors. Proprioceptors detect how our body is positioned and moving, then relay this information to our brain. The sense of proprioception is so powerful. Without it, without it, our brains are lost. On the way to the leader, the main um, directing part of the brain, the messages from these proprioceptors pass directly through the limbo. Like the... Nerves that lead from the language area of the leader. These proprioceptors form another source of input to the limbo. The result is that motion creates emotion as our proprioceptors tell our limbo how to feel. Act how you want to feel. Actors utilise the power of proprioception. If they have to betray an angry character, 
They will stomp around backstage with their fists and teeth clenched to help them get in state. In effect, the proprioceptors send angry messages to their limbo, so their limbo takes the hint and gets angry. Acting how you want to feel is such a well-known tool within acting circles that emotional states are referred to as actions. Proprioceptors can be used in the same way to manage anxiety. When we are anxious, changes occur in our body, many of which start as a racing heart and sweaty palms. We have no control over. However, we can modify symptoms of anxiety and we can use these to calm our limbo by sending in soothing messages via our proprioceptors. These anxiety-reducing quick fixes can be summarised as the 3S approach. Slow breathing. Anxiety is is associated with shallow and rapid breathing. In fact, breathing like this can bring on an anxiety attack. Conversely, when we are calm, our breathing is slow and deep. Step one is creating a state of calmness. In creating a state of calmness, sorry, is to consciously take slow and full breaths. This sends calming messages to the limbo from the proprioceptors in our body. That is why breathing exercises are integral to many relaxation strategies. So that's the first is slow breathing. The second is sip refers to wetting our mouth with water. Have you ever noticed how dry your mouth gets when you're anxious? You couldn't spit if your life depended on it. When I go hand gliding, I always have a water bottle handy, Dr. Darren Morton says, and whenever I feel nervous, I take a sip. Simply wetting my mouth calms me through my proprioceptors influence on the limbo. If you have a fear of public speaking, take small sips of water before you get up to speak. And the third S is for sync. Sync relates to what we do with our muscles. When gripped by fear or anxiety, our muscles tighten, ready for action. This overexcitation is what can create the shakes when we are frightened. By making a conscious effort to relax our muscles, lowering our shoulders, wriggling our fingers and allowing our body to sink, we send calming messages to our limbo via our proprioceptors. Proprioceptors are known to be so powerful that even just the proprioceptors in our face can influence how we feel. So those are the three, um, three S approach. Slow your breathing, sip, taking small sips of water, and sink relates to what we do with our muscles. Okay, so uh, let's see. Proprioceptors are known to be so powerful that even just the proprioceptors in our face can influence how we feel. In the 1970s, a researcher from Clark University explored a phenomenon referred to as facial feedback, 
by placing electrodes on people's faces and stimulating their facial muscles to pull smiles or frowns. Even though they didn't know what their faces were doing, the participants reported feeling more angry when frowning and more happy when smiling. Often researchers have found that when people were forced to smile by holding a pencil in their mouth, try it, they found watching a video clip or cartoon funnier, which made them laugh more and feel happier. The takeaway message is that what we do with our body can have a profound effect on our limbo. Isn't that interesting? All right, and we'll stop there for today. And taken from the book, Live More Happy by Dr. Darren Morton. And we'll have another song now. Is numb, I cannot see, but still my hope is found in you. I hold on tightly, you will never let me go. Jesus, you will never fail. My soul is weak, my heart is numb, I cannot see, but still my hope is found in you. Jesus, you will never fail Simply to the cross I cling
Welcome to our program. Um, we're looking at um, <clears throat> the book of Revelation and we have a series that uh, we're taking some of the thoughts out of called Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. And at this stage we've been going through the uh, the seven messages to the seven churches. Now, if you would like to get these booklets, um, they go through <clears throat> the whole of Revelation and um, if you just have a look online, Revelation, put it into Google, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose, and um, you'll see the information there. You know, the Bible is the most up-to-date book. It's <clears throat> it's amazing. So it's written for all ages, but there's so much dealing with the um, for the last generation. So <clears throat> we're up to the Church of Thyatira, and it's a Revelation 2 and um, verse 18 to the end of the chapter 29. And I'll just read it through. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like a blazing fire, whose feet are like um, brazen brass. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating food sacrificed to idols. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she was unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of their ways, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he that searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each one of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, and to you who do not hold... um, Let me read that again, verse 24. Now... I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on um, to what you have until I come. To him that overcomes 
and does my will to the end, I will give him authority over the nations, and he will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I also will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So <clears throat> that's a very interesting um, part of the Bible. And each of these um, messages to the seven churches have a message for you and me today. So we're just going to have a break for um, a little bit. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Welcome back. <clears throat> We're looking at the, um, the Book of Revelation, which a lot of people find very fascinating. It's full of symbols, but if you understand the symbols, then you understand the message. So we're looking at the Church of Thyatira. Um, it was a garrison church, um, a lack of natural fortifications, and it was captured, destroyed, rebuilt again and again. And when John wrote, the city was a manufacturing center, um, most of whose citizens were laborers. So that's the historical setting of the church. Um, Lydia, who is mentioned in Acts 16, came from Thyatira. Now, <clears throat> just I'm going to read from these little booklets that I've been um, uh, mentoring, which you can get online. All you need to do is put in um, Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. Now, <clears throat> I just um, going to read actually from page um, twelve, page twelve, and I'm just going to get to the right page. Now, this church um, was a divided church. <clears throat> whose um, latter works were better than its former. They received much praise and much blame. Now, <clears throat> the civil duties imposed by Rome. Now, the Roman Empire required all non-Jews to participate in civil religion. Serious consequences awaited those who did not participate. For example, they would be ostracized from the uh, from the trade, um, and as a result, those who avoided the um, religious civil religion would become poor and powerless social outcasts. So um, the religious um, civil duties are really important. <clears throat> now, the church described by Jesus Jesus here, because Jesus is the one speaking in these messages to the seven churches, <clears throat> it's, um, 
that describes it's active, it's got love, faith, and service are improving all the time. But the big problem is it tolerates wicked leadership. And there's a woman called, a woman who John calls Jezebel. Jezebel. Now, Jezebel's from the Old Testament. But um, she's a figure. She represents, um, she represents um, a lifestyle or, um, how else would you say it, Lynette? She represents a, um, <clears throat> what it's going to be like, or what it's been like in all ages when, um, when religion um, compromises. You got any ideas uh, you would like to add to that? No, sorry. <laughs> right, I. Um, she claimed to be a prophetess, and she was leading the people astray. Now, when you get to Revelation thirteen, you have um, the final group of people. Um, you have um, a beast which comes out of the sea, and then you have a beast that comes out of the earth. And the beast that comes out of the earth um, is a false prophet, right? And Jezebel is a, um, a type of that final false, pro- false prophet. But it's symbolism. But once you understand the symbols, it makes a lot of sense. Um, <clears throat> whoever she was... This is what this uh, little book says. Appears to represent um, the Thyatira branch of the group labelled Nicotolaitans and those who hold to the teachings of Balaam. Now, we've talked about that. <clears throat> now, I'll just um, go back in my um, notes. The Nicotolaitans, <clears throat> which... Um, were very prominent at the time of um, the early church. Now, the Nicotolaitans, um, the doctrine is now largely taught that the gospel of Christ was made the law of God of no effect, that by believing we were released from the necessity of being doers of the word. So that's what Nicotolaitans mean. Right? Don't have to worry about keeping the law. You can live as you like. You're saved by grace. That's... Um, what the Nicotolaitans were like. Now, also, the teaching of Balaam, we've talked about that too. Now, um, I shall just have a look at that. Now, Balaam, um, in his life, there's two points about him. How would you put it? First, he stands for a covetous man who was prepared to sin in order to gain a reward. That's what Balaam stands for. And the other thing, he stands for a man who was guilty of the greatest of all sins, the sin of teaching other people to sin. So that's what Balaam um, stands for. He, he's like Judas. Judas was a covetous man. He sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So Balaam is like Judas. Now, so we've met these two two men. Um, now all these names involved um, the the same. There's the same two problems: eating off um, eating food offered to idols and committing fornication. 
Now, Revelation uses the Old Testament stories of the Israelites to illustrate what is happening to the followers of Jesus in New Testament times. So that's a really good point to remember that. So the stories in the Old Testament, because John quotes so much from the Old Testament, that those stories represent or illustrate what is happening to the followers of Jesus in New Testament times. So it's a very interesting book, Revelation, but I think we should have a, um, a, we'll have a break and um, a song. Thank you, Lynette.
Welcome back. So we're looking at the um, book of Revelation. We're looking at um, Revelation chapter 2 and the church in Thyatira. And we're just going to um, look at this figure of Jezebel. So in Revelation 2 verse 20 it says, Nevertheless, I have this again to you, tolerate the woman Jezebel, who called herself a prophet, prophetess, and by her teaching she mis- misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrifice to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality if she was unwilling. So I will cast her into a better suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer um, intensely, unless they repent of their ways. Um, and so on, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he that searches hearts and mind and repay each one according to her deeds. So Jezebel, who was Jezebel? She was the wife of Ahab. Ahab was the the king of Israel. And he was the worst king up to that point um, in the kings of Israel. And Jezebel, um, she was, um, she worshipped Baal, Baal, and um, she brought all her prophets with her. So you have a a mixture of Israel, um, the Jewish religion, with Baal worship. So. She represents in this situation, or she was like a prophetess. Now, it's interesting how God punishes um, sin sometimes, because it talks in there about uh, punishing sin. And I, I got this quote um, from a book when it's talking about David, when David um, committed murder and adultery at the age of 50. And it says here, when parents and rulers neglect the duty of punishing iniquity, God himself will take the case into hand. His restraining power will be in a measure removed from the agents of evil so that the train of circumstances will arise which will punish sin with sin. Right, And that's what happened in David's life. <clears throat> now, David was a forgiven man, but um, the consequences of his actions live with him for the rest of his life. Now, Jezebel is clearly a symbolic name. <clears throat> See, what what this church did, it's a problem. This church tolerated her in the midst of... Uh, in the midst of evil, of which Jezebel was clearly a symbol. The compromise, the problem, compromising with the world standards. 
Um, now, William Barclay, he has a couple of interesting little books on the book of Revelation. This is what he says. It may well be that the teaching of Jezebel was that the Christians did not need to be so ex- exclusive in their worship of Jesus Christ, and above all, that there was no need for them to refuse to say Caesar is Lord and to burn a pinch of incense. So <clears throat> once every year they had to um, say that Caesar was Lord and worship him. Now to the genuine Christian, that was a real problem because there's only one Lord and no one could say that Caesar is Lord. So the Bible says that um, <clears throat> that you cannot serve two masters. Can't serve two masters. <clears throat> now, I'd like to um, summarise um, Jezebel, um, especially for the last days. So <clears throat> we have a we really have a picture of the last crisis in Revelation seventeen um, verses three and four. We have a a woman riding a scarlet-coloured beast. Now, I'm quoting here from a book called The Final Rollercoaster. Uh, Rollercoaster, you could you can buy that book um, if you bought it probably from Amazon or a book deposit um, or fish pond. You will find there it's by um, a doctor, Desmond Ford. And um, he says here, Jezebel is prominent, a figure in Revelation 2 and later in chapters 17 and 18, a system she represented Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots. Like Jezebel of the Old Testament, wicked Babylon has has a terrible end. You remember uh, Jezebel had a terrible end. She was thrown out of a window and the horses trod on her and the dogs ate her. And uh, so she had a bad end. And uh, Babylon in the book of Revelation will have a bad end. Babylon, <coughs> which is religion, has been united with a wicked government which she has seduced and ruled. Revelation, we have a false trinity. We have the uh, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Christ's sacri- sacrifice was planned and executed by the union of Satan, uh, apostate Judaism, and the Roman government, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So that's what they represent. So the dragon represents Satan, and um, <clears throat> we have religion and state bind together. And that will be the final um, crisis in the world. So Jezebel signifies those who tempt God's people into apostatizing through spiritual fornication, which is false worship. Ahab and Jezebel equals um, church, state, Balaam and Balak, who Balak was the um, the king of Moab, if I remember rightly, and Balaam was a false prophet, or in the end he was a false prophet. Um, so here we have church and state. Um, so <coughs> that's interesting, isn't it? Um, <coughs> I wonder if we should have another um, break, um, Lynette.
We've been talking about Jezebel, and um, I love the Bible. See, there's hope for everyone, no matter what a person has done. They could, they could be a murderer. Doesn't matter what they've done, because Jesus has paid for our sins. The Bible says here, um, verse twenty-five, um, no, twenty-two, I should say. So I cast her into a bitter suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. Unless they repent. Now, repent and be converted that your sins may go beforehand into judgment and be blotted out. So that's what the Bible says. The question that faces every person, you and me, every one of us, will we keep our sins and go to hell or will we give them up and go to heaven? We must quit sin or quit hope. 
If we do not die to sin, we will die for sin. If we do not slay sin, sin will slay us. See, God gives people time to repent, but time runs out. Today is the day of salvation. I'm glad that God is the God that he is. He's such a loving God. You know, to think of it, that he came to this world. He's created us, but we have rebelled against him. And he came. His main purpose was to die for the sins of men and women because he loves us. We are his children, and he wants us to live forever in a perfect world. But God cannot force us. So he gives us time. See, repentance is not just a one-time thing. It's a continuous thing. See, how do you repent? In Romans 7, 24 and 25, it says, Who, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> three things here. He says, wretched man that I am, we have to see our need. Who shall deliver me? See, we don't <clears throat> when we're sick physically, we go to the doctor. <clears throat> we don't fix ourselves up before we go to the doctor, right? Um, but a lot of people think they've got to fix themselves up before they go to church or come to God, but we come to God. And I love this quote, no one can empty themselves of self. All they can do is consent for God to do the work. Isn't that wonderful? It's a choice, my friend, and you and I can choose whether to let God into our life or or not. So next time, uh, when we come back, we'll talk about um, the um, Satan's so-called deep secrets, and we'll talk um, about overcoming again. Thank you, Lynette. Thank you, Dennis, for sharing those insights from the Book of Revelation, the series that Dennis has been doing. So, yes, we are here. We are Amazing Grace um, on NPR, Man or Two People's Radios, Radio, and your host, uh, Dennis, and myself, Lynette. And just a reminder before we wind up for today that we would love to hear from you, and we also have... Um, some free giveaways. The book Signs magazine is found at the uh, local takeaways here in the Manawatu area and articles on health and family and issues that we face every day in life and also the book Steps to Christ. And we're happy to pray for you or a friend or family member on or off air and you can contact us again on the email info at mpr.nz or text on 0226815216 and we'll just have a short closing prayer. Dear Father God, we thank you for your amazing grace. Please speak to our hearts and all of our hearts we pray in your name. Amen. So from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you until we share again. Bye for now.